You are listening to WTUZ Radio Podcast. Welcome to WTUZ Radio Podcast. I am your host, Rhonda. Uh, Just a topic that uh, has really been hot under discussion as of late um, since Texas was uh, one of the first states to put strict, stringent laws in place over abortion. Um, So we're going to go over that just at a high level. Uh, What sparked me to make this particular podcast I saw this morning on um, the local news here where uh, there were protesters at the state capitol regarding uh, abortion in Ohio, where uh, at the Senate level for the state, uh, they are proposing uh, some strict abortion laws. So the angle that I want to take with this, uh, because everyone has their own opinion and they have a reason why they have that opinion, what I want to do with this particular podcast is just give the information, uh, kind of what's going on today, give a history of uh, abortion, um, of course, go into the Roe versus Wade and uh, also give some data and stats on abortion in the United States uh, and kind of also give the stats on by race, who are getting the abortions and the most. And uh, I just also want to, at the end, talk about, and I'll probably, knowing me, do this during um, me providing this information, also talk about the root cause for abortions, okay? All right, so uh, with that said, let's get started. We're going to go over real quick. I'm sure everyone has heard about this. what's going on in Texas with abortion. I just saw, oh man, I want to say it was Vice, Vice TV, uh, just did a quick mini documentary on the impact of the Texas, the new passed legislation uh, in Texas regarding abortions. And uh, they went to a clinic and uh, were showing kind of what was going on just with that one clinic with women coming in uh, to get pregnancy tests and um, making the decision that they wanted an abortion. Um, It was pretty, pretty interesting and very eye-opening. So that was in the back of my mind. And then when I saw it again today, at uh, the local level here in Ohio, I'm like, okay, let's do a discussion on this. Okay, so this is from the Texas Tribune. 
uh, Governor Greg Abbott signs into law one of the nation's strictest abortion measures, banning procedures as early as six weeks into pregnancy. The signing of the bill opens a new frontier in the battle over abortion restrictions as the first of its kind legal provisions intended to make the law harder to challenge are poised to be tested in the courts. Okay, so remember, this was back in May. Ooh, this time is flying. It seems like it was sooner than that to me. Okay, so... um. Greg Abbott, Governor Greg Abbott signed into law Wednesday a measure that would prohibit in Texas abortions as early as six weeks before some women know they are pregnant and open the door for almost any private citizen to sue abortion providers and others. The signing of the bill opens a new frontier in the battle over abortion restrictions as first of its kind legal provisions intended to make the law harder to block are poised to be tested in the courts. Abortion right advocates have promised to challenge the new law, which they consider one of the most extreme nationwide and the strictest in Texas since the landmark Roe versus Wade decision. It would amount to an outrage ban on abortions as the six-week cutoff is two weeks after a miss menstrual cycle, opponent says. The law takes effect in September, okay, which was this month, okay? So I'm just going to read that again um, because women, you'll understand this. It would amount to an outright ban on abortions as the six-week cutoff is two weeks after a missed menstrual cycle, opponents said. The law takes effect in September. Our creator endowed us with the right to life, and yet millions of children lose their right to life every year because of abortion, Abbott said in a bill signing ceremony, captured on video posted on social media. The legislature worked together on the bipartisan bias to pass a bill that I'm about to sign to ensure that the life of every unborn child who has a heartbeat will be saved from the ravages of abortion. Okay, now I do have to pause and say some of the critics say, well, okay, you're talking about the heartbeat of a child six weeks into pregnancy. Are you trying to tell us that it's a heartbeat? Oh, okay. All right. Okay, so that's what some of the opponents are saying. The governor's signature comes just after the U.S. Supreme Court said it would hear a case concerning a Mississippi law that would ban most abortions after 15 weeks and which could lead to new limits on abortion rights. It is the first major abortion case heard before the court's newly expanded conservative majority and could have far-reaching effects for Texas, where a pending bill would outlaw nearly all abortions if the Supreme Court overruled Roe versus Wade. Senate Bill 8 was a top priority for Republican lawmakers, nearly all of whom signed on as an author or sponsor of the measure. 
The bill bans abortions after whenever an ultrasound can detect what lawmakers define as a fetal heartbeat, which can be as early as six weeks into pregnancy. Medical and legal experts say the term is misleading because embryos don't possess a heartbeat or don't possess a heart at that developmental stage. It includes cases where the woman was impregnated. It includes cases where the woman was impregnated as a result of the R word or incest. There is an exception for medical emergencies. Yeah, yeah, that's very, very stringent. Wow. Similar bills have been passed by other states and held up by the courts, but Texas version has a twist. Instead of having the government enforce the law, the bill turns the reins over to private citizens who are newly empowered to sue abortion providers or anyone who helps someone get an abortion after a fetal heartbeat has been detected. The person would not have to be connected to someone who had an abortion or to a provider to sue. Whoa. See, I'm glad I'm going over this. I had no idea. Wow. So anybody can put a case against the provider for any woman that gets an abortion um, or anyone that helps someone get an abortion after the fetal heartbeat, which they are determining is at six weeks when medically and technically that is not the case because that particular fetal doesn't have a heart. Mm. Okay, then. Proponents of the new law hope to get around the legal challenges that have tied up abortion restrictions in the courts. While abortion providers typically sue the state to stop a restrictive abortion law from taking effect, there's no state of official enforcing Senate Bill 8, so there's no one to sue, the bill's proponents say. It is a very unique law, and it's a very clever law, said Josh Blackman, a constitutional law professor at South Texas College of uh, Law, Houston. Planned Parenthood can't go to can't go to court and sue Attorney General Paxton like they usually would because he has no role in enforcing in enforcing the statute. They have to basically sit and wait to be sued. Legal experts have been divided on the strategy and abortion rights advocates have said they plan to fight regardless. Elizabeth Smith, Chief Counsel for State Policy and Advocacy at the Center for Reproductive Rights, which has represented abortion providers who have sued Texas officials, said it and other abortion rights organizations are not going to let this six-week ban go unchallenged. Drusilla 
Tegner, policy and advocate strategist of the American Civil, Civil Liberties Union of Texas, said the governor's swipe of a pen can't change the Constitution. While the law amounts to the most extreme abortion ban in the country, abortion is both legal in Texas and supported by a majority of Texans, um, Tigner said. Abortion right advocates and lawyers say the new law would allow for a cascade of lawsuits against abortion providers that would sap their time and money even if they ultimately won in court. Family members... Um, abortion funds, our crisis counselors, and other medical professionals could be open to lawsuits under the broad language in the bill, according to legal experts and physicians who oppose the measure. People who sued would be awarded at least $10,000 as well as costs for attorney fees if they won. Whoa, so... I uh, hope y'all catching that. So they're saying family members, um, abortion funds, and our crisis counselors and other medical profess uh, professionals could be sued. Every citizen is now a private attorney general, Blackman said. You can have random, random people who are against abortion start suing tomorrow. John Siegel with Texas Right to Life, an anti-abortion organization that supported the bill, said he doubted there would be an overwhelming number of cases on day one. Lawsuits might be filed by anti-abortion activists who learned through talking to the woman that she got an abortion after six weeks. There's going to be a lot of different fact patterns that could lead to the case, he said. But the bill isn't throwing out the typical way that the judicial system works. There's still going to be a judge. <clears throat> There's still going to be dispositions. There's still going to be a high bar before fees are awarded. The ultimate goal, he said, is to incentivize abortion providers to comply with the law instead of fighting it in court. They can easily avoid all of that, Siegel said, have a public statement, put it on their website, that they're not scheduling appointments after six weeks. The bill does not allow artists to sue, but abortion right advocates say the wording, often flimsy protection as most R's and sexual assaults aren't reported and don't result in conviction. Most abortions in Texas were prohibited after about 20 weeks. Pill-induced abortions were barred at 10 weeks. An abortion provider must perform a sonogram on a woman 24 hours before the abortion and give them information about medical risk, abortion alternatives, and assistance available to those who follow through with their pregnancy. More than 56,000 abortions were performed on Texas residents in 2019, according to state, to, uh, state, to st state stats, <laughs> most of them in the first trimester. 
proponents of the law celebrated its signing. The legislator and governor prioritized this historical legislation and with his signature approximately 50,000 precious human lives will be saved in Texas next year alone, said Chelsea Human with Human Coalition Action and anti-abortion organizations. Let me pause, get some water. I just find it interesting um, that these advocates always want to say precious human lives, but are these same advocates saying they're precious human lives once they come into the world and the mother is not able to take care of that child um, or the mother and or the mother is stuck and not at her choice is the sole provider of that child. How many of these abortion advocates are concerned with the 50,000 precious human lives a year at that point? How many of the advocates are advocating for programs for women and children? Okay, so that would mean including the welfare program. That would mean including programs that support paying for mothers to go to school, paying for mothers to have access to free daycare for them to work and go to school, um, are they advocating for mothers and children to continue to have free health care? Okay, because remember, they're concerned about these precious 50,000 human lives being born every year. But let's continue. I would love for someone to track that. I really would love for someone to track these same advocates supporting those programs, but we're going to continue. Texas Right to Life called the bill signing a landmark victory, but said a more comprehensive measure was still waiting for a vote in the legislature. Texas Right to Life reminds our elected officials of their solemn duty to protect the lives of their citizens, especially the most vulnerable and innocent Texans in the womb. The signing of the Texas Heartbeat Act marks a historic step in the battle to protect life, the organization said. Opponents of the legislation condemned its passage. Dana uh, Leinen-Marcato, executive director of Planned Parenthood Texas, votes the political arm of Planned Parenthood affiliates in Texas said the six-week cutoff amounted to an effective ban on abortions in the state. Now, going to give the other side of this argument because there have been leaked films of Planned Parenthood cutting deals for the, the aborted fetuses to be used or, or to, to sell the aborted fetuses, okay? Um, now, some say to be used for other purposes, for um, 
medical purposes, et cetera, et cetera. And I can't remember specifically that one video that was floating around where they were at a conference and they were talking to a Planned Parenthood um, worker and they were talking about getting the um, the fetuses and um, what they were specifically going to use them for, okay? Um, can't remember if it was stem cell research, but it was something else. So if anybody knows what it is, you can certainly drop it in the comments. But my point bringing that up, that is the flip side of the abortion argument, okay? That is it lining up a market for other purposes, purposes that should not be used, okay? All right, so when you factor in the time it takes to conform a pregnancy, consider your options and make a decision, schedule an appointment and comply with all the restrictions politicians have already put in place for patient and providers a six-week six ban essentially bans abortions outright, she says. Amy Hagstrom Miller, head of Whole Women's Health, an abortion provider that has four clinics, clinics in Texas said the law will have a chilling effect. Protesters have previously falsely reported whole women health clinics to state health officials for allegedly having the wrong water heater permit, not following social distancing protocols during the pandemic, and other perceived regulatory infractions, she said. The false report disrupts healthcare providers. I'm sorry, the false report disrupts healthcare services, and this culture of threats and accusations is designed to intimidate providers, she said. About 90% of women who come to whole women health clinics are more than six weeks into their pregnancy, she said. Okay, so do y'all understand why they are saying that this particular Texas law is pretty much abandoning, um, not abandoning, abolishing abortions? Because if 90% of women who come to the clinic are more than six weeks into the pregnancy, so meaning you miss your cycle, that's four weeks. You're thinking to yourself, oh, well, something is off. You know, I was sick or this, that, and the third, whatever the case may be. That can't be it. So they wait another week and then they wait another week. Or let's say they get to the four-week mark and it takes them two weeks to get an appointment. Then they've already um, missed the window. Okay, so Whole Women's Health has sued Texas over abortion restrictions and won a 2016 case that went up to the Supreme Court. The bill was opposed by more than 300 Texas lawyers who said it undermined it longstanding rules and tenets of the legal system, including that a person must be injured to sue. Mm. Okay, and I know what they're going to say. 
but let's keep going. The law would also let someone file a lawsuit in their home county against an abortion clinic and stop the case from being transferred to a different venue. In practice, legal experts say it would be more costly and difficult for abortion providers to pay legal defense before a judge hundreds of miles away, and it could let anti-abortion advocates be heard in court that they think will be more sympathetic. Siegel with Texas Right to Life said, it will be interesting to see how the other kind of alternative avenues handling handle these debates. We know how Judge Lee uh, Yeagle and Judge Sam Sparkle handle these cases. He said, referring to two federal judges who reliably strike down Texas abortion um, restriction. Okay, so... Um, all right, so oh, well, that's interesting. I'm looking at the disclosure, and they're saying that Planned Parenthood had been a financial supporter of the Texas Tribune. That's who's writing this article. Um, so that was nice of them to disclose that. And yes, I definitely wanted to give the takes on Planned Parenthood because they do not have a clean history at all. Okay, a lot of shenanigans. Uh, go on at Planned Parenthood and specifically uh, Margaret Sanger who started Planned Parenthood. Um, she had a eugenics uh, agenda to target black folks, okay, to uh, eliminate the reproduction of black people, okay? So Planned Parenthood out the gate, its particular ideology, it's in question how they started Planned Parenthood. Um, and then the recent video that was floating around on what they're doing with the fetuses, basically making money off of them. Okay, so you have to put them in question as well. Okay, so let's just real quick I'm telling y'all, every time I record, this phone goes off. Okay, and then if I shut it off, I forget, and then I'm, I forget to turn it back on, then I miss stuff. Okay, so let's just real quick go into Roe versus Wade. Uh, Roe versus Wade, a legal case in which the U.S. Supreme Court on January 22nd, 1973, Rule 72 that unduly restricted state regulation of abortion is unconstitutional. In a majority opinion written by Justice Harry A. Blackmun, the court held that a set of Texas statues, there you go, Texas, always into some, and in some dramatization, always. Um, the court held that a set of Texas statues criminalizing abortion in most instances, violated a woman's constitutional right of privacy, which it found to be implicit in the liberty guaranteed of the due process clause of the 14th Amendment. Nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of the law. The case began in 1970, 1970 
when Jane Roe, a fictional name used to protect the identity of the plaintiff, Norma McCorvey, instituted a federal action against Henry Wade, the district attorney of Dallas County, Texas, where Roe resided. Okay, so let me just throw my two cent in. So do you all think, or do you think it is coincident that this was back in, what, 1970, and here we are in 2021, that it started with um, Texas, and now here we are again with Texas putting the most stringent abortion law into place. Do we think that's a coincidence? Hmm. Okay. All right. So um, the Supreme Court disagreed with Roe's assertion of an absolute right to terminate pregnancy in any way and at any time and attempted to balance a woman's right of privacy with the state's interest in regulating abortion. In his opinion, Blackmun noted that only a compelling state interest justifies regulations limiting fundamental rights such as privacy and that legislators must therefore draw statutes narrowly to express only the legitimate state interest at stake. Okay, so what the heck do that mean? <laughs> Sorry legitimate state interest. What What is that supposed to mean? But let's continue. The court then attempted to balance the state's distant compelling interest in the health of the pregnant woman and in the potential life of the fetus. It placed the point after which a state's compelling interest in the pregnant woman's health would allow it to regulate abortion at approximately the end of the first trimester of pregnancy. With regard to the fetus, the court located that point at capability of meaningful life outside the mother's womb or viability, which occurs about 24 weeks of pregnancy. Okay, so, uh, I mean, that, that should pretty much make sense, but what's just striking me in all of this is the state stating, the state stating, the state saying what their interests are. Okay. So the state's interest is what? The health of the mother and the health of the unborn child? Or is that state's interest really a deeper meaning than what they're saying? And I'll even be fair and say, is it and or? And I'm going to say it's and or. So meaning the state can indeed be concerned about the health of the mother and the health of the unborn child so meaning if uh, the woman carrying through the pregnancy 
it's going to put the mother's health at risk um, or the unborn child's health at risk, okay, the state can understand that pregnancy not going forward. But the state is also concerned that if nothing is uh, wrong with the mother or the child, so meaning both are healthy and that the mother could carry a pregnancy to term healthy, then they are concerned about a healthy unborn child being terminated. That's that first, that's that first side. The other side is the back end side of it. Is the state really getting a benefit from women having children? Now, those of you that know that whole side of the coin on how money is really generated, you should know what I mean. So I'm just going to restate that again for those. What financial or monetary gain is the state getting from women having children. Hmm. Wouldn't that be a state's interest? Hmm. Let's continue. Repeated challenges since 1973 narrowed the scope of Roe versus Wade, but did not overturn it. In Planned Parenthood of Southeastern Pennsylvania versus Casey, 1992, the Supreme Court established that restrictions on abortions are unconstitutional if they place an undue burden on a woman seeking an abortion before the fetus is viable. In Gonzalez versus uh, Carhartt, the court upheld the federal Partial Birth Abortion Ban Act. Uh, 2003, which prohibited a rare use abortion procedure known as intact dilation and evacuation. In Whole Women's Health versus Hellerstedt, the court invoked its decision in Casey to strike down two provisions of a Texas law requiring abortion clinics to meet standards of ambulatory surgical centers and abortion doctors to have admitting privileges at a nearby hospital. Four years later, in June Medical Services, LLC versus Russo, the court invoked whole women's health to declare unconstitutional a Louisiana statute that was, at a majority noted, nearly identical to, uh, to Texas admitting privilege, privileges law. Okay, um... All right, I'm not going to go through because you see Mississippi is talking about something as well. We just talked about the Texas stuff. Okay, so I really wanted to just go over the Roe versus Wade. So we can see back in uh, the 70s, still with Texas, this same particular issue came up and the Supreme Court decision 
was that if the mother's health is at risk, the uh, unborn child's health is at risk, uh, mother has a right to an abortion and um, women can get abortions up to about 24 weeks of pregnancy, okay? So that was the Roe versus Wade. And just note, it kicked off in Texas. I also want you all to note in this, I found it interesting that they talked about the state's interests. Okay, so I gave you two sides of what that could mean. Well, one, they already told us what it means, that the state is concerned about the health of the woman and the health of the unborn child. I gave you the hidden side to that, which is what monetary gain would the state get for mothers having children. Okay, so let's go on to um, some stats. Uh, well, just real quick, we'll just show you how far this goes back. Um, abortions in general. All right, so you can see that um, pre-modern era, the Vedic, the laws of India reflected a concern with preserving the male seed of the three upper castes and the religious courts imposed various penances for women, for the women or excommunication for a priest who provided an abortion. Okay, so this was back in, wow. Okay, they didn't give a date for this, but it says the only evidence of death penalty being mandated for abortions in ancient laws is found in Assyrian law and the codes of Assyria, and that's 1075 BCE. Okay, so that's the earliest on record that they can cite. Uh, okay, and then they go into the first recorded evidence of induced abortion is from the Egyptian Eber Papyrus in 1550 BCE. Okay, so I'm not going to go over this whole thing. Just wanted to uh, give you all an idea of how far back this discussion goes. Okay, this is nothing new. All right, um, let's go over some of the stats. Okay, um, and uh, this is from the CDC, okay? And they are the official record keepers in the U.S. for abortions, okay? I expected it to be someone else, but it's not. was shocked that it was them. But, um, oh, well, there you have it. In 2018, 600,000, 600, I'm just going to round it up, legal induced abortions were reported to, to the CDC from 49 reporting areas. Among the 48 reporting areas, which data each year, during 2009 2000, through 2018. In 2018, a total of 
600,000 abortions were reported, the abortions rate was 11.3 abortions per 1,000 women aged 15 to 44 years, years old. And the abortion ratio was 189 abortions per live births. Okay. And I know this is rough, y'all. I know it's rough to go over some of this stuff. Um, probably all of it. I know it's rough. From 2009 to 2018, the number, rate, and ratio of reported abortions decreased 22%, 24%, and 16% respectively. In 2017, the total number, rate, and ratio of reported abortions decreased to historical lows for the period of analysis for all three measures. However, compared with 2017 and uh, 2018, the total number and rate of reported abortions increased by 1% and the abortion ratio increased by 2%. Similar to previous years, in 2018, women in their 20s accounted for the majority of abortions, 57%. The majority of abortions in 2018 took place in early gestation. 92% of abortions were performed at 13 weeks or less. Gestation, a smaller number of abortions, 6.9% uh, were performed at 14 to 20 weeks. Okay, so you all can see why the Texas law, if they're saying that it's at six weeks, um, you can see where they're pretty much saying that Texas has outlawed abortion because if overall in the U.S., uh, the majority of the abortions happen at 13 weeks or less, okay? And uh, few and even fewer, 1% were performed 21 weeks or greater. Early, uh, early medical abortions is defined as the administration of medication to, to induce their abor uh, an abortion at nine completed weeks gestation. Um, consist consistent with the current U.S. Food and Drug Administration labeling for mifeprostone. In 2018, 38.6% of all abortions were early medical abortions, a non-surgical abortion at nine weeks gestation. Use of early medical abortions increased 9% from 2017 to 2018 and 120% from 2009 to 2018. Okay, so it really jumped uh, over the last, uh, what, nine years. Okay, all right, so uh, let's get into the stats, some more stats. I wanted to break it down by race. And oh man, I hope I have it. Mm -mm -mm. We'll just uh, just real quick talk about how they get the stats uh, each year. Now this is just for 2018. 
Each year, the CDC requests abortion data from central health agencies for 50 states. The District of Columbia and New York City for 2018, 49 reporting areas voluntarily provided aggregate abortion data to the CDC. Of these 48 reporting areas providing data each year during 2009-2018. Census and natality data were used to calculate abortion rates, number of abortions per 1,000 women aged 15 to 44, and ratio number of abortions per 1,000 live births, respectively. Abortion-related deaths from 2017 were assessed as part of the CDC's Pregnancy Mortality Surveillance System. Okay, so um, I'm not going to go over that. I'm try- I am trying. I want to go over the race. Uh, let me see. I think I have to scroll down a little bit. Because we kind of went over the gestation and breaking all of that down. Okay. Oh, man, I might have to pause and refine it if I can't. I know I had it. Um, okay. All right. Uh, bear with me, family. I had it pulled up and it must have scrolled back down. Okay. Okay. Hold on a second. We talked about that. Okay. I am looking for da 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 da. da. They broke it down by race. Let me keep going. Da 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 da. da. Okay. Nope, 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 nope. Okay. I'm going to pause this and then um, I'm going to come back because I know it's in here. I don't know how I lost it. So let me pause and I'll come back and have it up for you all. All right. I just needed to be patient and scroll down a little bit. Okay. So this is still the CDC report. Um, Age, group, race, ethnicity, and marital status. Among the 48 uh, areas, um, among the 48 areas that reported abortion numbers by women, women's age for 2018, women in their 20s accounted for the majority, 57% of abortions that had the highest abortion rates, 19%, and 8, 18% abortion per I'm sorry, 19 and 18 abortions per women, 1,000 women aged 20 to 24 and 25 to 29 years respectively. So let me read that again because I kind of botched that big time. Among the 48 areas that reported abortion numbers by women's age for 2018 Women in their 20s accounted for the majority, so 57% of abortion, and had the highest abortion rates. 19 and 18 abortions per 1,000 women ages 20 
to 24 and 25 to 29 years respectively. Women in the youngest, so 15 years and older and um, less than 40 years age group accounted for the smallest percentage of the of abortions, two percent, uh, less than uh, 0.2% and 3.6% respectively, and had the lowest abortion rates of um, 0.4 and 2.6 abortions per 1,000 women age uh, 15, 15 and older, and less than 40 years respectively. In contrast, abortion ratios in 2018 were lowest among women aged 25 to 39 years. Okay. All right. So let's look at the table and see if that'll give us, um, oh, they break it down by state. Okay. All right. So this is good to know. All right. So you could come here and look at it by state. Uh, are they doing this by on thou on uh, one thousand women? Where are these raw numbers? I'm assuming they're the raw numbers. Okay, so as you can see, they break it down by state. So let's see whew, who has the highest for fifteen year old. Chow, Florida, Georgia. Illinois, Michigan. Okay, y'all see these numbers. These are 15-year-olds, right? Child. 15-year-old and, and under. Child. <sighs> All right, so that's uh, the stats for 15-year-olds. What's Texas, y'all? Since they always send some drama. Texas? Child? That's high, Texas. So 15-year-olds and younger, 112. So that's high. You up there, Texas. You're up there. Who was the highest, though? Didn't we say? No, Texas is the highest. Florida is second for 15-year-olds and younger. Now, what I would like to know, who's impregnating those 15-year-olds and younger? Mm-hmm. What's the stats on those? Are the young men or the boys in the same age group or are, are, or are they adult men? Where them stats at, though? Wow. Okay, so let's go up to... Um, 15 and 19 year olds. Okay. Ooh, child. Look at Florida. Off the chain. 5,370. Illinois, you up there. 3,000 and something. Michigan, you, you high too. 2,000 and something. Jersey, you high. Ooh, child, look at New York, 6,800 and some change. 
remember this is 15 year olds to 19 year olds. Okay, North Carolina, 2200. Pennsylvania, high. Texas, there you are again. You high again. Ciao. Okay, but who's the highest? I want to say, is it New York? Let me just make sure. I don't want to lie upon it. Is it Florida or New York? It's New York. New York is the highest in that age group. Yeah, New York is the highest. New York, Florida, and then Texas. Okay, so that's young girls and women getting abortions from 15-year-old from the age of 15 to 19. Let's get to the 20-year-old women to 24-year-old. Okay. Because the data says that um, the age group that's really getting the most abortions is really in the 20s. So these two categories. So let's go from uh, 20 to 24. Let's see these numbers by state. Oh, Georgia, child, 9,500. Oh, Illinois, you higher than Georgia, 10,000. Uh, Michigan, you're at 7,000 and some, 7,700. 7, uh, Jersey, you're at 6,100. New York, you're at 20,000. Mm. So what was Georgia at? 9,000. New York, you're at 20,000. Wow. Okay, um, North Carolina, 7,500, even Ohio, 6,100. Um, okay, so we can see these numbers. Okay, Texas, shit. you ain't far behind, honey. You number two, because if New York is 20,000, you're at 16,000. So as you can see, if you look at these base numbers, I mean, the, the summary of these categories, you have under 15-year-old across the U.S. You have 1,300 abortions. Uh, remember, this was 2018. That's for 15-year-old and younger. And I would love to see the numbers and that's to say if they could get honest numbers from these 15-year-old uh, and younger young ladies. Um, who's the fathers? Okay. Um, so the next age group, the 16-year-olds to the 19-year-olds, that's across the country, 53,000. Once you get to... This 20 to 24, 173,000 for the year. Okay, let's go to the 25 to 29-year-olds. Because remember, these two groups in the 20s, 
were the highest level of getting the abortions. Right? So let's see who's the highest by state. Uh, okay, Georgia, about 10,000. Uh, Illinois, 11,000. So it's following the same pattern. Literally, it's following the same pattern from a numbers perspective. Jersey, you're at 6,700. Uh, New York, 21, 21, 9. Okay. Carolina, you had two, Nan. North Carolina, um, 8,100. Might as well say 8,200. Uh, Pennsylvania, you're high, too. 9,200. No surprise here. Texas, you are second. 15,000. Might as well say 16 if you round it up. So in this age group, you have, this is the 20 to 24-year-olds getting abortions. Now remember, these numbers are 2018. So across the country, you have 179,000 abortions. Okay, so I hope you all are also seeing a pattern with this data because the same three states or you could take the same five the highest five states so far in each one of these categories um it's going to be the same five leading states maybe some exceptions when we were in the um the 15 year olds and under category but you can you can see a pattern, a clear pattern. Okay, so let's get into the 30-year-olds to 34. Oh, child, let's see. Who has the highest? Okay, Florida, same pattern, okay, so far. Okay, Florida, uh... Illinois, it's the same pattern, family. It's the exact same pattern. Okay, let's go down. Okay, you got Massachusetts, Michigan. Same pattern, family. Jersey, 4,400. New York, leading the way, 15,000. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. So if you, wow, okay. So once you get to, let's see what Texas is looking like. Still high, Texas. 10,000. So hopefully y'all are seeing the pattern. If you look at the same top five, and even if you want to put it to the top three, it's really the same states with the highest numbers for abortions across each age group. Okay. All right. So, um, 115,000 in this particular age category overall. Okay. You can see a, a, a drop from, um, 
numbers from the 20s going into the 30s. But if you look at the ones with the most abortions, it's still the same states. Okay. Let's continue. Okay, so that was 30 to 34 years old. Let's go to 35 to 39. All right, these numbers should really be drastic, drastically dropping. Uh, okay, so as you can see, we're just going to go through them. Okay, Florida, 7,800. Okay, Illinois, 37. Um, okay, we're going to keep going down. La, 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 la. Da, 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 da. Numbers. Okay, I'm looking for the patterns at this point. Um, Jersey, 2,500. New York, 9,000. What was Florida? I know I done passed Florida. What was Florida? Yeah, my bad. Okay, 7,000. Okay, so still the same pattern, family. New York, Florida. Uh, New York, Florida. Da, 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 da. And Texas. Same pattern. Same exact pattern. Okay, so total for this age group uh, across the country. 65,000. If you want to round up, 66,000. But again, as you can see the data, if you take the top three, the top five, it remains the same. Let's continue to the last category. This is 40 and over. Um, so I don't know. Maybe they didn't have any in Alaska. That's interesting. That is interesting. So you can see in Alaska, they didn't have any 15-year-olds or under getting abortions. They don't have any 40 and under getting abortions. Okay. All right. So let's uh, go. Same with Delaware. No 15 and under having abortions. No uh, 40 and over having abortions. Y'all see these patterns? Okay, so 40 and over, that's Florida's numbers, 2,800. Okay, and then Hawaii, same thing. Under 15, no abortions. Over 40, no abortions. Idaho, under 15, no abortions. Um, over 40, no abortions. Okay, so let's keep on. Same with Maine. Are you all seeing these patterns? Same thing with Maine, 15-year-olds and under, no abortions, 40 and over, no abortions. Okay. All right, so let's see. Get to our higher number players. Okay, same thing with Montana with the 15-year-olds uh, and the 40-year-olds and over. Mm, okay, so New York. Uh, three, two, two, one. What was Florida's number? Florida, Florida, Florida. Okay, two, eight, six, three. So same pattern. New York so far is the first one with the most, even in the over forty category. 
Florida is next. Um, okay, then we got to look for Jersey. New York. Okay, Jersey was uh 907. Okay, we're good. Okay. Um Okay, I'm just moving down. Texas. That's who I was looking for. Okay, so Texas, who's first, who's second, who's third? <laughs> okay, Texas is 1900 and some change. New York is 3000 and some change. Florida is 2000. So in this case, Texas rounds out third. Okay, but the number of abortions for 40-year-olds and older are 22,000. Okay. Um, oh, so these numbers still don't count California. Yeah, you're right. Because I, I, would, I would like to see Cali's numbers. I would like to see Cali's numbers. Okay, you're right. Cali wasn't included in that. So really the numbers are higher, okay? But they just didn't report. Callie didn't report their numbers. Okay, so let's get back to these stats. Oh, my bad. I got to go back to this. <sighs> I bet you that's what I did last time. So <laughs> bear with me. I got to scroll down again. Do, 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 do. Okay, there we go. Marital status. Status. Okay, among the 44 reporting areas that provided data each year by women for ages 2009 to 2018, this pattern across age groups was stable with the majority of abortions and the high abortion rates occurring among women aged 20 to 29. Okay, that's what we saw in that table. Years and the lowest percentage of abortions and abortion rates occurring among women in the youngest age groups. Okay, and we saw that. So that was the 15 and under age. Abortion rates decreased among all age groups, although the decrease for adolescents, 64% and 55% for adolescents aged 15 and under, uh, 15 and greater, and 15 through 19, respectively, were greater than the decrease decreases from women in all older age groups. Okay, so, so what they're saying is although the abortion numbers were down, but the it went up for certain age groups, and those age groups were the 15 to 19-year-olds and the 15... an undercrew. So that's alarming. Okay. Uh for all groups Okay. Okay, so I'm trying to get to the race. All right, cuz we kind of went over those numbers. Okay, 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 okay. okay. Here we go. Da, 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 da. Okay. 
Among the 31 areas that reported race and ethnicity data for 2018, non-Hispanic white women and non-Hispanic black women accounted for the largest percentage of all abortions. So let me go over that again. Among the 31 areas that reported race slash ethnicity data for 2018, non-Hispanic white women, so basically white women and non-Hispanic black women or black women, so white women and black women accounted for the largest percentage of all abortions. 38% and 33% respectively. And Hispanic women and non-Hispanic women in other race categories accounted for similar percentages, 20% and 7% respectively. Okay, so we're going to look at that table in a second. Non-Hispanic white women, non-Hispanic, sorry, non-Hispanic white women had the lowest abortion rate, uh, 6.3 abortions per 1,000 women ratio, um, 110 per 1,000 live birth, and non-Hispanic black women had the highest abortion rate of 21.2 per 1,000 women. Okay, so let's look at the table. Okay, because they kind of confused me on the last part because they said black women and white women hit the largest percent with white women having 38% and black women having 33%. But let's look at the table because I don't want to lie upon anybody. Okay. So we're going to just scroll down to the um, numbers. Okay, so, uh, well, let's look at the categories. Let's look at white and black. Okay. So black women at 21%, white women at 6.3%. Okay, other... So I guess that's all other races beside Hispanic. They're at 11%. And then Hispanic are at 10%. Okay, so black women lead abortions at 21%. Um, and then it's other races. 11% and then Hispanic at 2% and white women with the least at 6.3%. Okay, so those other numbers confused me. I'm glad I went to this chart. Okay, so let's see um, who has the highest state across the board. Let's see. That's we we can look at the pattern in which this would make sense, right? Whoa. Florida chow, 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 chow. So y'all see this Florida. 
white women, wow, this is where they get their highest number from, Florida. 21,000 black women in Florida, 21,000 other races, um, 2,800, and then Hispanic, 18,000. Okay, so let's go down. Oh, Illinois don't report by um, race? Because look, you all, Illinois is an on here. Wow. So Illinois is not even reporting by race. All right, well, whatever. Okay, so uh, Michigan is high also. So white women are, shoot. Okay, not white women, uh, 10,000 in Michigan, black women, 13,000. Other is um, 1,300, and then Hispanic is 900 and something. And I'm assuming that these other and Hispanic, probably from a population standpoint, meaning there's not many of them there. Okay, let's look at Jersey. Wow, Jersey's numbers are lower than um, Florida. Much lower than Florida. Okay, they have 6,500 for white, 66 for black. And as you all can see, family, as we're going over these uh, numbers for the highest states with abortions, you can see across race, the numbers don't, swing widely between black and white. They don't swing widely between black and white. And Hispanic. Hispanic has lower, but if you take into consideration the population, that's still not swinging low. Same with the other. If you take into consideration that population in size, meaning they, they all are running pretty equal with the amount of abortions that they're getting with these states with the highest numbers. Okay. Um, okay, so I'm looking for, yep, Texas. I expected for y'all to be off the chain. Okay, so for white women in Texas, it's 14,000, but that's still, Texas is less than Florida. Uh, so for, in Texas, uh, black women and white women getting abortions, it's neck and neck. Uh, other, it's uh, 3,900, but it's a smaller population. But with the Hispanic women in Texas, it's the highest among all groups, okay? Now, could that mean a higher Hispanic population? Mm, probably so. Okay, y'all know who else is missing off this list? New York doesn't report their abortions by race. So we can't even compare and see by race how the breakout of it, it happens for women. So, um, these totals are going to be off because we don't have every state reporting. The, in the other totals, we had 49 states reporting. Um, 
the overall numbers, but when we get down to the nitty gritty data, with by race, you can see it's only 31 reporting, okay? Which could mean my numbers may have not been off, my, not my numbers, but their description of whom they were saying overall were having the most abortions by race. Um, okay, so they were saying, uh, all right, I'm trying to get to the part where they said, oh, okay. Yeah, okay, they're saying, okay, they're still using the 31 area, okay. Okay, so we're just going to go by what they say here, but we can only go by the 31 area, and um, we can see that black women get the most, uh, and then it would be Hispanic women, other women, and then white women last. Okay, so um, that's where we're going to end this family. Uh, all I just want to add with this, you all can clearly see just by us doing, just at a high level, us going over the data. These are using 2018 numbers. You can see a clear pattern, absolute clear pattern among age groups, among the states where women are getting the most abortions. There's a clear pattern. So as folks have this conversation about abortion, what about the conversation with root causes? So meaning root causes by the states, root causes by age group, root causes by race. What about those discussions? Okay, so meaning what makes Florida's and New York's numbers so high across the board, regardless of race? What makes their numbers so high? Is it a population thing? Is it just pure numbers because larger population? Or are there other root causes? By race, what makes... Black women and Hispanic women have more abortions than white women. What are the root causes? Okay. So I understand the conversation about abortions. Whether or not I agree or disagree, that's irrelevant. Look at the data. Look at the numbers. What are the root causes. Okay. All of this could really be avoided unless someone is violated. Then that's a totally separate conversation. Okay. What about the discussion on contraception? What about the discussion, not only on contraception just for women, but contraception on men as well, for men as well? 
and we're talking beyond condoms. Since obviously they either ain't working or, or folk ain't using them. So what about contraception for men as well? What about the program and the programs and discussions on the impact of having children at each one of those age categories from a financial perspective, from a having a partner perspective, And that's also including parenting classes for families and women. What about those discussions? Because as you know, we go through that mowing hand report and we show within the black community, those that are having the most children are the least economic <sighs> those that are having the most children are in the lower income poverty status and that mowing hand report that we're going through and we're going to do a part three this week that's data and that that's only for the black community that's data family from the 1940s up until 1963. And we're going to dig the data and do follow-up on that as well. And as I was going through that data, I asked who's having these discussions on folks having children that can least afford them. And here are the impacts of doing that. That's what that mowing hand report is showing. And now you have the flip side of women choosing not to bring children in the world. But the root cause still is what conversations are being had about having children, why you're having children, who you're having children with. Okay. Now that's just within the black community and looking at these numbers and seeing the larger numbers across certain cities. Is that based on just a population within those cities? Or is there something else going on? And remember, California was excluded in that data. So these are things, unfortunately, that are going to continue to be controversial. People are going to continue to have opinions on and what somebody's opinion is, neither here nor there. My stance is, what about the root cause of why these things are coming into play? What about that? 
What about parents and individuals thinking about these things as well and knowing the root cause of these things? What about that? What about having conversations that if you have to depend on a system that those so-called rights that you have will be quickly taken away? What about those conversations? What about the conversations in the black community that when you have a 70% single mother parent household and then if you dig deeper down into the numbers how many fathers are actively involved in their children's lives and that is including not limiting being involved just means being involved, spending time with. That includes taking care of their child. Do we not get the correlation between the high abortion rates with black women? Black women have are 70% leading in single-parent households, why wouldn't the abortion numbers be the highest among all groups of women? What about those conversations? Because it appears to me that you can't just have a one-sided conversation without looking at the entire picture. Because that's called picking and choosing. So as individuals, if you don't want folk in your business, When, as individuals, you're going to start taking ownership and total accountability for your actions. And that includes how you choose to raise your children, how you choose to provide for your children, how you choose to protect your children. If we want to have the conversation as a collective Black community, why aren't we having the entire conversation as a collective Black community of how we can pull ourselves out of poverty, how we can build strong, healthy families, strong, healthy children, how we can build economic wealth. These conversations need to be had honestly. So not picking and choosing. 
They need to be had honestly, not picking and choosing. Who we decide to have children with, when we decide to have children with, why we are having children is totally our decision. A system doesn't have anything to do with that, nor individual white man. If you want to get to the root causes of what ails the black community, when are we going to start having these honest conversations? It's up to you. We can keep on bullcrapping, pointing a finger at a system, pointing a finger at the women, even to some extent pointing a finger at the men. Instead of having honest conversations. If the black community has a 70% single parent mothers, do we not understand why the highest abortion rate would be among black women? Do we not understand why black people as a collective are at the bottom of the economic totem pole? So uh, we'll keep um, putting things out like this. Um, I am specifically and purposely putting them out for folks to think on these things. Now, what people decide to do with it, that is totally your decision. Um, we will, uh, I'm going to say probably on Friday, we're going to do the part three of the Mohenhan Report. So I hope everyone is doing well on this Thursday. This is Rhonda with WTUZ Radio Podcast. Peace and love. What? <laughs>